nice. I don't think the green one's working. Well, I was going to sit. Hey. Is the green one working? Green. Green one? Oh, yes, it's working. Awesome. I just want to take a picture, everybody. Don't take a picture. Okay. Oh, them? Yeah, no, oh, that's all right. Come on, you two, you two presenting, what are you doing? So, like I said, welcome this morning to where uh, I'm a pastor, get me out of here. I'm your host, <laughs> Anthony McPartland, and this is... Are you Ant or Dick? I'm um, Kiosk Keith. Kiosk Keith, what have you been watching? So when I said I'm slow to get morning, me out of here, you're not watching it. No. So when I said this morning, I've got an idea, go along with it. Oh yeah, it's I'm, complete. who are you? Well, if I'm Ant... I'll be Dick. So, he's gone. just he's just completely walked out. Who? I'm confused. Jo yeah, it's, he thought he was well, on the associate children's was, pastor. I'm going to leg it. He's going to get the spiders for you, but mate, there's no way in the world you would be getting spiders up here because you were as scared of spiders as I am. Wow, I'm so, that scared. So this morning we've got loads of questions written down from you guys, which some of them are hilariously funny, but some of them are actually. Uh, good questions to ask. So me and Chris are going to try and ask these guys some questions and hopefully get some answers out of them. Yes. Yeah, they don't know everything, so please do not, well, take their word for it, but kind of, yeah, there we go. Chris? I think Would we should like ask Libby some off? questions. I'd love you to kick off. Okay. So this person has asked, um, what is your current thoughts on the current circumstances in the world? Uh, chemical attacks, bombings, etc., and the relevance uh, to that in the end of time. So I'm going to come to... Dinner day? Um, the deep one for the starter. John. John, mate. <laughs> All right. Would you like to kick us off? I could feel the laser eyes of the rest of these three boring into me. Um, it's more so Luke's eyes like, don't ask about <laughs> Yeah, okay, so... So the oh, question, yeah. what, what do you think of what's going on in the world at the moment with all the bombings and stuff like that? We had another shooting in Paris, haven't we? Uh, massive attack in Afghanistan, all these kind of things. Do you know, the, the Bible tells us that there is going to be a lot of stuff going on when it comes into the end times. It talks about this time leading up to the time when, when Jesus comes back. Uh, and you'll find lots of people saying, oh, it's definitely the end times. Okay, you find lots of people saying it's definitely the end times ever since it was said that these kind of things would happen. Okay, so we're talking about the Roman Empire and stuff like that. People are saying it's the end times. Now, it could be one of the things that um, the Bible does tell us is that we won't know the time. We won't know the hour uh, or the day uh, when Jesus is coming back. Well, you know, it does seem like we're living in a, a world which is messed up, uh, in a world where um, people take a certain viewpoint on things um, and and kind of run with it to a point where it means like just a complete absence of love and, and care for other people and trying to get their own way. And this, uh, we, you know, a lot of you kids that are out of All-Stars, you're growing up in a world that, that's different in a lot of ways to, to when I was growing up as a kid. And, you know, there was terrorism then, but it was mainly kind of like the IRA and stuff like that. And it was homegrown stuff. Uh, and it can be a scary, scary place that we live in. I think... You know what it what it does show us is that as um, as a church, as God's people, as Christians, we've got even more, even more of a responsibility to share God's love with people, to share a message of peace, to share a message of forgiveness, uh, of reconciliation. Um, there's you know there's all kinds of weapons 
being used by by terrorists uh, and by you know governments, corrupt governments and things like that to wage war on people. But um, you know we've got one major weapon to use that God gives us, and that's to love people, and that's the only thing that will come out. The uh, prophet Ed Sheeran wrote a song on his new album. Any what's that one? Love can change the world. Tom Reed said, Tom Reed said, love is the weapon we need, yeah, in on his Chariots album. But um, in, there's an Ed Sheeran song in there that says, love can change the world in a minute. But what do I know? There you go. That's what it says. And that's what we need to do. Yep. Follow Ed's example. Love people. Yeah, that's a big question. I hope I kind of got somewhere near um, what was being asked. I think so. What was what? <laughs> what? <laughs> You were asking me the same question at the same time, so I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? I said, did that kind of answer come I, near I, where I, we were going? I think so, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of things on there, there was a lot of things to answer, but I think you answered the, the chunk of it. It was quite interesting because I've just flipped over, and the next question is, and I think you've answered quite a lot of that as well, is what is Revelations about, and, and why did it sound a bit crazy? And you talked about the end of times. Let's get Josh to answer. Should we get Josh to answer this but one? I think if Josh, you'd like to elaborate on that, that'd be excellent. You wrote that question, didn't you? Yeah, I think this, this is my... This is, uh, yeah, I'll put this question in, because I've been, um, if I'm honest, I've been uh, putting off reading <laughs> Revelation for um, six, seven years now. Um, not, I I've read bits, but I haven't, I can honestly say I haven't read the uh, whole of Revelation because it's a scary prospect uh, that I'm not ready for, but I think that's the whole point. No one's, no one's going to be ready. I think it's, it's a different kind of book, isn't it, Revelation? Revelation, it's, you know, if you've read it, it's a book at the end of the Bible. It's um, a revelation to um, the Apostle John while he was on an island called Patmos. And if you kind of read it on the surface and don't look into it, it looks a little bit like he got sunstroke and he was waiting for a ferry on a Greek island. All right, okay. But it's, it's a prophetic book. Okay, so it's a picture uh, sent from God. Uh, and it talks about a lot about the end times. And it can be really difficult to get your head around it and kind of understand what it means. And it talks in a lot of pictures about kind of these beasts, this dragon, you know, with seven heads and stuff like this, but it's all pictures for things that are going on in the world. Um, I read, um, alongside reading Revelation and wanting to know more about it, it was one of those things, Revelation, that Steve used to do stuff. He was like interested in finding out what it meant. So Steve would go and buy a book, and then he would give it to me, and then say, can you read this and tell me what the book says? All right, so that was kind of Steve's, Steve's way of dealing with these things. But it's, it's fascinating, yeah, it is a really interesting book to read, but it is one of those that you kind of need to read it alongside something that tells you what's going on. I read a series of novels called the Left Behind series, and I recommend those. They started to make it into a film with Nicolas Cage, but I think it bombed, um, and it was probably terrible, but you might be able to find it. I think there was a really old film, and then they, they, start, they tried to reboot it with Nicolas Cage. And basically, it starts at the point of... Um, uh, it's called the rapture. It talks about the rapture in Revelation, where everyone who believes at this point, everyone who's made a commitment to Jesus at this point just kind of disappears. So it kind of leaves it like it starts in this kind of point of chaos in this book where like all the, all the Christians disappear 
like including people who are like flying planes and stuff like that. So you can imagine it's chaos and stuff like that. But that series of books is really good read, just as a, a series of novels. But it also uh, it's written by a guy who writes novels and also a guy who's a theologist uh, and a real kind of expert on what goes on in um, in the book of Revelation. So I recommend you read that yeah. and read the and book of Revelation. I think what John's pointed out is really important. If there is a book in the Bible that you're thinking, uh, I'm not quite sure what this means, I don't quite get what this is saying, read it alongside a commentary, read it alongside um, on version and different apps of the Bible, it gives you commentaries. So rather than avoiding a book or, or stressing about one, um, just find somebody that can recommend a commentary or something to read alongside it, and then you don't get stuck. Yeah, and some Bibles have this helpful chunk in the, the half the page as well, yeah. explaining what you just read meant. Excellent. Well done. I think I carried that answer. Really. Yeah. What do you think, Chris? You, you said it all, really. <laughs> only I would only dilute the information from what from here on. So, um, we're just going to change tact a little bit. We have a couple of like uh, really good questions with a lot of things going on, um, and I, I quite like this question for those people who don't um, come that often or don't uh, know these guys as well as some people may do um, and the question is um, how long have you worked in this church so if you want to go down the line if you want to take a couple of minutes just to answer that and then maybe just talk a little bit about how long, how long, have, you how long have you worked in this church maybe just talk about your roles and, and introduce yourself just a little bit about about that so people can get to know you guys a little bit better for those who we don't so we want to kick off with you uh, Luke when you say when you say worked attended, attended. What, yeah. what's, what's been your journey in working for okay. church? Um, okay. Uh, so I was... How old were we? 14. I was 14. Uh, it's a coincidence that you were the same age. Yeah, it's a coincidence. Okay, this is... Like, you don't have to repeat this because this is the same first half. Okay, we were 14. Adrian Blimmer persuaded us to come and ride some bikes to raise some money because they were doing um, John O'Groats to Land's End and we were actually... Oh, I didn't have a beer belly then. And, um, or a kebab belly, actually, probably. Um, so I was reasonably fit and came and rode this bike. Um, I was lied to and told that uh, there was a, a party the next day or something, some event, uh, by Adrian Blamer, and then he brought me to church. So I was extremely <laughs> confused when I walked in and sang some hymns. Um, <laughs> so I came in. I came, how, long, how long did I come for? About three, four months. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, and then I went off. Carried on doing what I was doing, uh, all the wrong stuff. Uh, I was about 17, and they'd been bugging me every week for about two, three years to actually come back uh, and just give it a go. They organised a bowling trip. They organised many things. They used they to organise these events and invite me, and the whole idea was that they would persuade me to come back, um, and then I never used to turn up. But they organised this bowling trip and like loads and loads of them went and you didn't go yeah, at the last go. minute. So, um, <laughs> that was a recurring thing, yeah. Um, so I was 17, I came back. Um, I don't know, I guess it all happened pretty fast, didn't it, really? I got... Yeah, I, I just started... I started listening to what was being said. Um, and I found myself thinking about it. And when I realised that I couldn't actually disagree with it, I hadn't got any sort of argument against it. I hadn't got any sort of like reasoning behind why I would say it was wrong. Uh, it kind of hit me, you know. Maybe this is maybe this is real. You know, you're starting to 
when you reason it out logically in your head, this all makes sense. So I was about 18 when I committed um, to following Christ. Um, then I, well, these guys were doing an internship, uh, Libby, Lizzie and Aid, uh, and I used to spend all my spare time um, <laughs> doing it as well, really, didn't I? Bugging me in the office. Yeah, what you say? Bugging me in Bugging the office. You in the office, yeah. I spent all my spare time up here just... You fancied Libby too. Yeah, I did fancy Libby. Um, do, doing bits and pieces, so like anything that was going, I was doing it. Um, yeah, and then I became an intern, officially, on a year college uh, gap. Joined the diaconate. Became the associate youth pastor, and so forth and so on. Proposed to Libby, cool. all that kind of stuff. Josh, what's your part of the story? Um, so pretty similar to Luke's first. Um, I was one of the two bugging him to come back uh, for a while. Um, yeah, we were 14 when I first came. Um, my old primary teacher was here and it was weird. Um, and uh, she said, come, come tomorrow. Um, um, there's, there'll be sweets and um, biscuits and stuff. And it's like a cafe. And um, you, you can just relax and people even fall asleep and stuff. And oh, okay, so... Uh, I, came and um, hated it, was weird, didn't like it, was different, I didn't cope with different um, and I had said try it one more time um, I did and I loved it the second time, um, it was entirely different um, I don't know what the difference was but um, yeah and then I carried on coming and uh, yeah it was Jesus and then I carried on coming um, and um, I like to think that I think logically about things Probably don't, but I like to reason everything. Um, so I, I remember Pam was here speaking, and um, she was saying stuff, and uh, I can't remember what she was saying. And it was like she was pulling it out of my head, and then I was thinking, oh no, this can't be for me. This is, you know, you're not talking to me. And then she said those exact words, and um, gave me this like kind of strange preacher's look, and then carried on reaching around. And I was like, oh, that was weird. Um, and then I thought, you know, this this stuff, you know, might be something that I really want to get into. So. Um, uh, me and I used to get all these random books and stuff um, on um, all sorts of topics and read them, and that really helped build my faith. And um, then I just I started coming in more and more. I remember the first project I did was I knocked the roof in, in the um, cupboard in there. Yeah. That was fun. You said, we've got a dodgy roof, and I said, I can smash things. So I did, broke the roof, and That's then um, I, I was hooked from there. Cool. Uh, I've been coming here. The question was just to remind you, if you've forgotten after that, kind of how long you've been here and what have you been working on. Um, I've been coming to this church since I was born, which is a couple of days. A galaxy far, far away. A couple of days <laughs> over 39 years. There you go. Um, and then um, I became a Christian when I was just seven years old, not at this church, but at a, a little place down in Old Hill called Spring Meadow Baptist Church. I went to a holiday club. Um, kind of made a commitment, came home, told mom. She remembers the date, I don't. Um, the 13th of May, there you go. 13th of May, 1985, there you go. Um, and then I've been hanging out in this church for a long time, started doing the youth work in the church when I was actually just a youth, so 16. Um, and then went away to uni, came back, joined the leadership team when I was about... 21, 22. There you go. So I've been doing it a long time and been pastor now for two and a bit years. 
So, and it's really exciting. I love doing what I do. Haven't always been full time um, working for church. Used to work in prisons and in schools and um, for an organisation called the Children's Society before I did this. And then felt God really calling me to this, even though there wasn't a wage available, which has been a challenge, but one that I'm really blessed to have been able to get on with. You did say worked in prison, just in case you tuned out for a minute and heard of prison. <laughs> He's been in and out of just prison. Just to clarify, hasn't been in yeah. prison. Uh, I've been part of this church since uh, John proposed to me. Uh, yeah. It was really because I like granddad's roast dinners, but anyway, I agreed to marry him. Um, yes, that's how long I've been here. I've been part of the um, leadership team for a slightly less amount of time, joined the leadership team a couple of years ago. And uh, John became pastor and passed on youth pastor to me. And then I have my trusty team over there, so we do it together. And I ha- became a Christian when I was about eight. I can't remember the date either, but I was also on a holiday camp. And I fancied the leader, so I said I'd become a Christian because he asked. <laughs> it's true. Um, and then it made a little bit more sense. And I didn't totally understand it, so I asked God if I could be part of his family every night for about six nights until my mum overheard and asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And he said, didn't you do that last night? I was like, yeah, and the night before. And then she explained it a little bit more. And that's how my journey to faith started. Awesome. Oh, gosh, don't... No, oh, was... okay. I think... Okay, uh, we've got a bit of a... I just saw a glint in his eye, so I thought I probably needed the microphone. Uh, no, this is just... Oh, here is Sue. I'm oh, sorry, just, I just need to share something <laughs> with you. <laughs> Not about John. Now, it's about coming to faith. Um, when we were in Australia, we met a couple from Roy's mum's church, and she gave us a book that she had written. I will keep this quite short. And... In that book, she talked about two books that had made a huge impact on her Christian life um, and what had happened to her. And one of those books is My Calvary Road by a man called Roy Hessian. And in the first chapter of that book, it mentions my dad, not by name, uh, John's granddad, not by name, as an awkward young man who gave his life to God. I think there was a a campaign that they had up at the mission, and my dad went every night, and he argued, and he argued, and he asked questions, and he became known as the awkward young man. So so that's where our family faith life started, really. But it's incredible to think that the other side of the world, this, this book was mentioned. I just felt I needed to share that. Okay. So you said you didn't want to be on the panel. Yeah, but she did say she might come she up. reserves the right to get up. Okay, this one's a bit of a weird one. I don't know who's written it. Probably you, John, because it looks like a little it's, bit like... Well, I didn't one. write any of the questions. Oh. What is the airspeed of a swallow? <laughs> um, I can imagine who that is comes from. Is it dead? Was that Andy? <laughs> It'll be Andy, Chris, or Stephen. It's a Monty Python reference, and the, the answer, well, I need a bit of clarification, African or European. Doesn't say. Apparently, it's African, African, yeah. Anyway, that if you if you've watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail, depends whether it's carrying a coconut or not. Uh, yeah, it is. So okay, there you go. I don't know. Is the answer? Oh, but that's not very good. Sorry. Well, that's that one done. <laughs> right, we've got a really quite a serious one actually next. Okay, so you have to keep listen to it because it's a paragraph. Okay. 
I always struggle to talk to my friends about terminal illness, both those, those who are dealing with it currently and those who have uh, lost loved ones. How best do I answer the most common question of why, especially when they've been a good person? Also, how can I support them better? Okay, I'm going to keep that because yeah. that needs a few pointers. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, I lost my mum to cancer um, and I don't think there is a right or a wrong answer. Um, how can I best support them? By love. There, there isn't... There isn't a phrase that would have made um, time easier for me. There isn't a thing that you could have done that would have made uh, my suffering, if that's what you want to call it, easier. There, there isn't. There is whatever that person needs. And you can be honest. You can say, look, I don't know how to help you. What, what can I do? Um, and it could be that they need somebody to yell at. They need somebody that is safe, that they can just explode with everything that they're holding in. It may be that they just need somebody to hold their hand and cry with them. They may need, they need somebody to totally distract them so they don't have to think about it. So in terms of how can I best support somebody, from my point of view, it's whatever they need. And it's about asking that person, what is it I can do to be a good friend to you? The question about, um, especially when they've been a good person, I can't tell you. The only thing I can tell you with suffering and Christianity is that we're part of the world and the world's a messed up place. Um, God loves each of us. Um, but to make our love have any value, he gives us the choice to love him or love him back. And with that choice comes evil and comes um, sickness and comes all sorts of things into the world. So the only way I can, I can get to terms with why do good people die, why do Christians die, why do non-Christians die, this is the world we live in. And this is where it comes back to John's point. Our responsibility, our necessity, is that we explain and we share and we love people and we welcome them into the kingdom so that if they do end up having to fight and, and don't survive terminal illness or, or accidents and things, they're going to heaven. They've got a hope and they've got a future. And, you know, that's what I hold on to with mum, that, that I'll see her again in heaven. I've got a friend who lost her son to a car crash. And she holds on to the fact that she, she doesn't know for sure whether he's a Christian or not, but she brought him up in the Christian way. They talked about God together. And she says she's holding fast to the hope that she will see him in heaven. So terminal illness is there, and it, it's, it's horrible. But we need to love people and love on people. And it is hard, but when somebody is going through that and they're not a Christian, it's about saying to them, I've got somebody that will walk with you. I, I know somebody in talking about Jesus who will love you, who will hold you, who will comfort you. And if I can, could I pray for you? And if the person says no, that's totally their right. I pray for them anyway. Um, but if they were willing to be prayed for with you, Gather, fran gather, fran gather friends together and pray for that person. I think kind of a, a kind of flip side of it is that when, you know, we see kind of things like this all the time. You know, Easter's quite a difficult time for us sometimes as a family. There's lots to celebrate. Um, there's birthdays around our family. But also it would have been Ruth's mom's birthday um, the day before mine. I never met her. Something that I'm gutted about. Um, but, you know, I start to think um, when you think about illness and, and when you get really sad news about somebody you're close to and being ill, I, I just kind of sometimes it, it, it gives me a bit of a kick up the backside, to be honest. And I kind of think, well, what's stopping me from telling these people about Jesus? I don't want to go around like some kind of like heavenly insurance salesman and try and sell people Jesus and salvation as some kind of insurance policy you know, uh, against what happens when they, when they finally meet that, that day when their, their life ends. And, you know, as we believe uh, as Christians, then we, you know, we come before um, Jesus. 
you know, I, I want everybody, I want the whole world to be in a place where they know that they, they've got that salvation, they've accepted that grace uh, of Jesus when they come to that point. Um, but I need to be motivated not to be waiting until, you know, it's kind of critical time, but I need to be telling people more about Jesus and who he is because it's an amazing life that we can live out uh, with his salvation and with his grace. And um, I think it's, you know, it is like Ruth said, it's about loving people. It's about loving people with everything that we've got. I think the one thing I had to try and share with people when they were trying to understand how I wasn't um, just falling apart and in a mess was that so many people see this as the end, this is it, this is the best that life could ever get. And it's about telling people there's a whole new something and that's the, where faith comes in because I can't tell you exactly what it's going to be. But the hope and the future of what heaven is is going to be flipping amazing. But I just can't tell you what it looks like. But that's about sharing with other people that if they are in the midst of something terminal or they're in a really dark place or whatever it is they're struggling with, actually, as good as this world is, there is something so much better. And that's about us knowing our Bibles and knowing the God that loves us to be able to tell somebody with passion and with conviction there is more um, after this so that you can actually tell somebody that this isn't it, this isn't the last stop, there's actually something better and giving somebody that hope and that future. Yeah, like, like you said, I don't, I, I don't want it to sound like insurance because it's not, but um, I wouldn't explain to my mates like this. Um, the worst that can happen is I'm wrong and then I live a good life and die. The best that can happen is I live forever. Amen. Delirious. What's the delirious song? <laughs> if I die with no reward. I get the, uh, the lyrics wrong. Yes, because you have misheard them the first time you. <laughs> um, it's, it's bliss, isn't it? Um... If I'm right, then you're wrong. If I'm wrong, then I really lived. And if I die with no reward. Then I know I had peace because I carried a sword. Except you thought it was I know a hair piece because a carrot I saw. Carrot there you go, which makes l less sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Anyway, that's um, fantastic um, answers there. I mean, I've taken you know so much from that. You know, basically, I think it's about trusting God and um, and about not having all the answers, just being love, being love everything that you do, and also you know using that as motivation that. You know, anything can happen at any time and that you haven't got, you know, you know, sometimes tomorrow to tell people about your faith. So and living that every day. So thank you, guys, um, which I think leads on brilliantly to the next question. Because I think part of that is, you know, being immersed in the Holy Spirit and learning the Holy Spirit and trusting in God to allow that um, that to work within us and in people that we come in contact with. And somebody's asked um, what actually is the Holy Spirit and can you define that? Kay. I wasn't coming to you. Oh. Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't know you were selecting panel members yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, because if I, if I didn't, you just talk all day. So That, that is true. true. That is. So, Joshua, would you like to kick us off with that one? What is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? Well, and can you define God is like an egg. So the egg has three parts. A shell, a yolk, and the like white bit thing. Um, the white. The white. It was in there. It was in there. So um, God's the same, really. It's not an egg, but he has three parts. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
is the guy who stayed with us when Jesus went to heaven. So when Jesus left, he said, don't worry, I'm leaving you with this other guy who's going to look after you, he's going to take care of you. That guy is the Holy Spirit. And yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of, <laughs> the question really is not what is the Holy Spirit, but who yeah. is the Holy Spirit? You've got something to say, haven't you? Um, yeah, it's, it's, okay, so I use a triangle analogy. I'll say there's three lines in a triangle. When you put them all together, it makes the triangle. Yeah, and it's like the three pieces. Um, that means I taught you maths really well. Yeah, ma'am. Um, I can't remember where I heard it. I was listening to something the other day, uh, and there was a guy talking about um, what Josh just said, and the fact that when Jesus went, he left the Holy Spirit behind for us, yeah? Um, and he was talking about doing God's work uh, and doing things in God's power, um, and, and the Holy Spirit is almost like that kind of, I don't know, if you play video games and you get like a boost or something, or you get like a, a perk or whatever, um, and your character suddenly gets stronger or gets quicker or is better at something, that, that is, is what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is, is God, you know, giving us that power boost, that kind of extra, that thing, that supernatural thing that we can't do ourselves. But, you know, letting God work through us, uh, th- that's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is, is the one that, you know, when I got healed, the Holy Spirit was present. If he wasn't, you know, I couldn't have got healed. Yeah. You see miracles, you see things happen. The Holy Spirit is that person that kind of changes the game a bit, that, that God and Jesus give you um, inside yourself to, to, you know, use their power. Do you know what I mean? To, to, for them to use you really as a vessel. I don't know if that answers yeah. anything. I think it's, yeah, so Holy Spirit, he's God. He's part of this Trinity, which is one of the maddest things to try and get our head around that we believe in father son and holy spirit but we believe they're all one and do you know what sometimes when you ask difficult questions sometimes that's when you actually come up with the best answers and i was stood at my front door uh with a couple of jehovah's witnesses they they don't come anymore i think they've crossed my name out and they just walk past my house to go to the next one now but they asked me this question because they don't believe in the trinity they don't believe that that it's father son and holy spirit and they said how can you possibly believe in in the fact that there's one god but made up of three distinct parts and on the fly some moment of inspiration which was probably the holy spirit working in me just came up with this analogy i said you know i said is it fair to say that i'm made up of three parts and they kind of looked at me a little bit weird and i said look so i've got my mind yeah my brain and those those processes that go on in my mind i've got my soul Kind of, because we all believe kind of in a in a soul, uh, and I've got my body, and they're kind of like, yeah, all right, okay, all right, okay. So I said, you know, I believe that the Father God um, sent His Son to save me, uh, and there's the the Holy Spirit as well. And I said, it's a little bit like this. If I was looking out and I was seeing uh, Noah um, crossing over the road, and I could see that there was a car coming down that Noah hadn't seen. And it was going to hit him. Okay. The part of me that, that loves Noah, the part of me that is, is kind of like just amazed that he's my son and I'd do anything for him. I, I believe that's my soul. I believe that's part of my soul and, and who I am. It's something that's kind of a bit undefinable about us. But my soul and the place that that love for Noah lives communicates with my mind, my brain, and would send my body 
to run out into the road and pull, push, whatever, Noah out of the way. So that's kind of how I like to look at it with, with God. You know, yes, it's a hard thing to get our heads around. I don't think we ever fully understand this three-part nature of one God. But, but we're human. you know, if we, yeah, we're yeah. human and, you know, it's something I'll ask him to explain to me better when I get up to heaven, all right? But, you know, it's that idea, I believe I've got a soul, a mind, and a body, and they can influence each other to do different things. That's not the question, yeah. was it? But we, you know. Yeah. That was fine. That was, that was really good. You got Only just to say, some things fine. we can get really hung up on. And I think there's some things that are beyond our understanding and we will find out more when we get to heaven. So if there are things, also ask God to give you peace about them so you yeah. don't get hung up on it and you can't get past it to actually get to know God better. Yeah, in John, in John um, 15, it, Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. And the Holy Spirit in the, K, in the King James Version is called the Comforter as well. So it's not, it's not just power, but he's there it's just to comfort us, to be with us, to be whatever we need. Awesome, that's great, thanks. Um, we've got another one, this one's just a quick, simple one, so it shouldn't take long. How old is the church? Hang on, I think we should do Do you this. mean like church or the church? Answer both. Do you want to do both? I think we should do the first one as this church, and we should do it as a quiz, and the last person, or the person that doesn't get, get it right, will we'll bring out the spiders. Good idea. I didn't hear the last bit. He said if you get it wrong, he's going to bring a spot out spiders. Oh, You'll fine. just eat them. I'm going to get it right anyway. Test to see who knows I think it's only John. How old is this church to start with? Yeah. 164 yeah. years. Uh, uh, when? Oh. Not no. November. No way near. <laughs> May, I think. Anyway, 1853. Close, this church started not in this building, but in a house over the road, and it was a first meeting in the house of Richard Rogers. Okay, not that Richard Rogers, but genuinely <laughs> another guy called Richard Rogers. And they met in his house, and they decided that God was calling them to build a church. And, um, you know, we've got a book, and, and I keep saying we're going to republish it, but I, hold me to account now. We're going to do that. We have got a digital copy. If anybody wants to email that, just shout at one of us or write your name down somewhere at the resource zone desk afterwards the story of this church and how it started is amazing but I'll let you read that for yourself yeah. but yeah it started 1853 and this particular building was built in about 1870 something after the first one fell down on top fantastic. of the old one fantastic I'll take a word of it because I didn't know <laughs> come on then how do you want me to go um, anyway so I'm going to come to you for this one Luke this question says um what is the name of the ship in Titanic? Ooh, that's a toughie. Take your time. Oh, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at the culprit. It was the it was the um the Mary Rose. We didn't answer the other half of that question. What other half? We of the answered question? about this church, but not, not just the church in general. I thought, I thought you were talking about the Titanic. Oh no no, the, the, the church in general is as old as, as um, Jesus. Basically, when Jesus said. You know, I'll build my church, and he and he sent um, Peter, and he said, "Peter, you're my rock. I'll call you Rocky. I'll call you Peter Petros, in Greek, which means rock. And on yeah. this rock, I'll build my church." There you go. There you go. It's yeah. as old as that statement. Fantastic. Uh, Titanic. Right. We haven't had the answer. He did. He said the Mary Rose. I believe it's the Titanic, although yeah. there is, Stephen says there's some query over the fact that the ship they started building as the Titanic, 
Um, they called something else, and it was another one that they were building that they called the Titanic because it was behind schedule or something. He knows. So it was like, what was it called? The Britannic. So actually, the ship in Titanic was originally the Britannic that they then renamed the Titanic. It wasn't or actually the Titanic anyway. in the film, the Titanic, was it, really? But it, yeah, it's called Titanic. Anyway, uh, right, anyway. we'll just do one more. We've got time for one more. We've got a couple, couple more. This one shouldn't take too long, but I feel it's always a good one oh, to, yeah. to, to answer, because I feel it's always a common question that, that, that comes up. Um, and the question is, why should I give money to the church, and what does the Bible say about that? Oh, Luke's taking Go on, let's go in. Yeah. Go on. Re read the Reboot magazine, and then you will find out <laughs> I've done two articles on it. <laughs> okay. This, yeah, there's a couple of articles going together on that. Uh, money is something that we've historically found it quite difficult to talk about in this church. <laughs> I find it quite difficult to talk about in this church, because I know that we have meetings, and everybody says, John, we need enough money to be able to pay you, because you do work for church and don't get paid. So I find it quite difficult then to stand up front and tell people uh, we need to up our giving, because I, I, I don't want people to think I'm just trying to line my own pockets, which I'm definitely not trying to do. If I was interested in money, um, I'd be working somewhere else. Um, right. Money... Um, Bible talks about this principle of tithing, okay, it goes back to like Abraham, okay, and it's about giving the first tenth, okay, tithe literally means a tenth, okay, and it was about giving his first tenth of everything to God, it goes on then, uh, there's an incident then with, um, I think it's Isaac, he wins a great victory, and a tenth of everything that he gets, then he gives um, to God, and the Bible talks all the way through about this fact that the first tenth talks about our first fruits, so that that best first tenth of what we get is what we give to God. There's a guy called J. John who talks about, um, he gives an illustration. He says basically it's like everything you've got is divided into ten donuts, and he says basically it's about you saying, I'm going to take one of those donuts and give it back to God. But the idea in the first place is who gave you the donuts? God gave you the donuts. Okay, so if God gives you 10 donuts, what, what does it cost to give one back? In practical terms, that can be really hard. And I know from personal experience, and we tried when we first started um, earning money to try and like, wait to the end of the month and give our 10th of what that was and that was really hard because we'd find we'd run out of money by the end of it and then we felt really guilty and then we felt really bad so something that Ruth and I do and have done for a long time is that almost we when we look at our money that's coming in we straight away just say well that tenth of it it's just not ours to mess with it's, it's direct debited as soon as it comes in it comes out and we deal with the other nine donuts and for most people nine out of ten donuts is enough for some people, it's really hard. For some people, seven donuts is enough, and actually, they can cope without three donuts. I'm going mad on the donut analogy now. But, and then for some other people, they need 11 donuts. Do you know what I mean? And that's where church community comes in, and that's where generosity comes in. And as a church, that money that comes in, we'll often use it to, to look after people who need stuff, to, to bless people, but also to, to just get on with the work of telling people about Jesus, and we believe that's really important. So that's, yeah, giving and tithing. Good. In a nutshell. And you actually done that very quickly. Good yeah, Thanks. Any circumlocution? A what? Circumlocution. Yeah, okay. I did English language literature. What's he saying? I don't, I don't know. know. Circumlocution. It's basically talking around a subject, you know, <laughs> and using ten words when you can only need one. Excellent. <laughs> so, Susan nodding her head, she knows. Oh, Speaking English. Every day's a school day, Chris. Yeah.
Anyway, okay, we've got, uh, we're going to do this one and another one. Yeah, yeah. trying to get two so more. So two more. What's the difference between the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit? Oh, pass the mic. Okay, so fruits you can eat, gifts you give. So fruit, <laughs> I'm getting there. So fruits of the Spirit are the things that come um, and grow inside of you. So love, kindness, patience, gentleness. So those are the things that have to take time and they grow. It might be that you've spotted something in you that you think, oh, I'm not actually that great at that, and you need to spend some time with God, and those fruits need to grow, and then you can see them, and they're amazing. Gifts of the Spirit are things that God gives you. So it could be gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of um, hospitality, and they're things that you might already see in you and think, actually, I'm quite good at doing that, and I need to do more of it. So there's lots of opportunities in church to use your gifts. It could be that um, a gift with worship, a gift of leading prayers. It could be a gift of hospitality. Amazing guys that do help me in the kitchen doing gifts of hospitality. Um, so there's ways and, and ways you can use your gifts in church. Fruits are those um, that you can look up in the Bible in Ephesians. It talks about your faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. And they're all things that none of us are brilliant at all of them. They're things that we all need to work on and um, grow inside us. Top marks for that one, Mrs. Dewey. Thanks. Yeah. Good. We've got two ones which we really want to talk about. Do you think we've got time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on then. You can read that one. Okay. Um, I just feel so that maybe God wants me to ask this question because um, I was on... Um, Facebook this morning, and Pete Hopper, uh, you guys know very well, has been here quite a few times, um, shared an article about um, this um, American um, Christian writer, and she shared something on um, Twitter, and the hashtag um, caused massive debate over it, and it was um, what um, Christian women always hear or something, I think. Um, and this question now asks, um, how do we approach passages which talks about women not speaking in church, taking into account, not picking and choosing which scriptures to follow? Okay. Uh, and I just feel that sort of like ties into like maybe I read that article this morning um, about that. So Yeah. I think when you read anything in the Bible, it's important to kind of understand around it. And we've said that with Revelation, but actually just reading the New Testament and reading the letters that are going out to these churches. Remember, each of these books, like Galatians, Ephesians, all these things, they're, they're, they're letters written to a certain church in a certain place about something that is going on. And, and sometimes there are cultural elements of that where the writer, so if it's, if it's Paul in most of these letters, writing out saying you know, women shouldn't do this, okay, you shouldn't do that. A lot of the time it's cultural and it's for the sake of um, kind of integrity in that place where you, where you are. So there was issues uh, with various things. It was saying women should cover their heads in church is one of the things. Now, um, the women who'd got their hair down in that culture, that was basically a sign that they were how should we say it this morning with kids in women of a woman of the night <laughs> there you go Josh <laughs> came in uh, a woman of ill repute okay all right so the certain instructions that are given to women in those situations are given because they want the people who are hearing the message to be able to receive it without getting um, an issue of kind of like a cultural problem coming in the same way that if I was going to go and preach the gospel in um, in like a, a Muslim country 
okay, I, I would have to kind of think about the way that I was dressing. Um, I wouldn't want the first thing that I do to offend someone in the way that they think I'm inappropriately dressed and stuff like that. So sometimes there's cultural elements that come in in those situations. In this church, we're really excited about women in ministry, okay? And you'll still find there's a debate going on across the church, you know, across the country, nationwide, you know, about women. We, you know, came out of one particular affiliation because of their attitude to women being in ministry. Certain churches think women should only speak to other women. You know, we we don't think that. We don't believe that as a church. We know that um, uh, one of the first deacons that we hear uh, talked about, so a leader of the church in the New Testament is a woman called Phoebe, right? So we know that the early church had women leaders and, um, and you know, we believe that God gives gifts. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, but God gives you gifts and if he's given you them, you should use them. Yeah. Done? I think so, yeah. Good. Yeah, I think that sort of summed it all up. And just for the record, he did say that this person said that, that of course, they have no issues with this. They were just interested. Yep. I thought it was quite relevant reading that this morning because uh, it does seem that it's quite, you know, an up-to-date topic throughout the church. Um, so, penultimately, uh, why do they say it's a dog-eat-dog world? And have you ever seen a dog eat a dog before? <laughs> <laughs> why do they say it's a dog-eat-dog world? And... Have you ever seen a dog eat a dog? I've seen it. Actually, have seen a dog eat a dog. Unfortunately, oh. it's a pretty gross salt. Yeah, but um, I don't know why they call it the phrase. I think one of these two probably has an answer. Don't know about a dog eating a dog, but I've seen a honey badger fight a lion. Never seen a dog eat a dog, but I've seen a man eating octopus. No, a man eating octopus, not a man eating. No, um, this is again Christopher uh, Bennett. Um, we were in a cinema once, and uh, something came up. In, you know, in those, you know, those last few like trailers before all of the adverts. I, I do before, believe it was for the the navy. I, I think it was for what? The trailer for the navy. navy okay. Joining and it said, it said, it said, you know, it all goes quiet. The lights start to go down. They put those last few trailers on and stuff like that, and everybody hushes down, just like church at the start. No, um, and uh, it came up. It's a dog eat dog world, and. Um, I think Chris, or myself, it might have been me actually, said, have you ever seen a dog eat a dog really loudly in the cinema and um, caused much hilarity? There you go. Yeah. But no, I haven't. And lastly, Lib. Right, this is yeah, another quite serious one. So, if God can forgive and forget, why do we find it so difficult to forget and move on when someone hurts us? Because we're human. Okay. Um, you don't have to forget things. Well, I... This is, this, forgiveness is, is different to forgetting. Um, you know, when you really, truly forgive someone, you know, and you've forgiven them in your heart, then you've forgiven them. It doesn't mean you have to forget everything that's happened, yeah? There's uh, bad, th- big, uh, bad things happen in life, right? We all do things wrong. And, and a lot of the time, they actually shape who we are and shape where we go and shape what we do. Uh, and when you sit there and think about it, you'll remember all the bad things more than the good things. Yeah, you'll remember that you know all the bad things that happened today, rather than all the good things that happened today. And you'll you'll go to bed and you'll think about those instead of the good ones. And and that's the thing that uh, everyone does. And it's really good to get into that attitude of looking at the positive things. But in terms of forgiveness, you don't have to forget. You just have to forgive. Yeah, and and you know I still remember all of the things. You know a lot of the things, the major things that have happened to me. 
that were wrong. But I've, I've forgiven the people. And, and yeah, I guess, to, just to rule out that bit of it, it, you don't have to forget. You can remember things. It's what you do with that memory. It's what you do with that emotion. It's what you do with that feeling. It's where you put that into that actually counts. So forgetting, you know, you don't have to forget. You just have to forgive. And we find yeah. it hard because it is hard. Um, yeah, forgiveness is hard. It's not always a snap decision as well. But if God, so perfect in everything, can send his son to get on a cross because of every single one of us, so he did it because of me, did it because of you, he can forgive that. Well, I've got no excuse not to forgive yeah. someone. I think God, when we live under God's grace, he can cause us to remember things that hurt us in a different way and try and look at it from his point of view. And do you know what? If, if we never forgive, we end up in a cycle which kind of comes back to that first question that you asked about the world being a messed up place and all the stuff that's going on. There you go. Something that Sue shared with, with Melody a number of years ago. When somebody hurts you, um, they move on it doesn't have any effect to them. They, they may say something or do something that can really hurt. And actually, the hurt stays with you. So you can either hold on to it, and if you think about when you take a hot potato out of the oven, um, it, it doesn't hurt the potato, it's hurting you. You holding on to that only hurts you. And I remember Sue talking to Melody when some people at school had upset her, and she went, Melody, you've got to drop the hot potato, you've got to drop the thing that's hurting you, you have to let go. Now, if forgetting is the way you do that, and you forgive the person, you forget it, then that's your way. We don't have to forget, but it's what you do if you are going to remember it with it. If it still causes you anger and bitterness and you're still hurting through it, then you need to move through that. So forgiving is very hard because we want to hold on to the hurt naturally because it's not fair. Somebody shouldn't hurt you. And as a human, we don't like injustice and we don't like unfairness. But actually by holding on to it and being angry that person's hurt you, actually just causes you the pain. The other person is absolutely fine and they've moved on most likely and it's not causing them any harm. So it's about forgiveness is the first one. You've got to forgive because like Josh has said, we've had the ultimate forgiveness given to us. It takes time sometimes to forgive, but you work through that. But then it's what you do with it. Do you carry on holding on to that hurt, but it will hurt you more or do you let go of it? And that's the way that, that's been shared with me that was really easy to understand. It's something that we talk about in the family, about hot potato, that situation. Just drop it because it only hurts you more. But it's about moving through that and then what you do with that memory. Fantastic. I think we've come to the end. I, I heard that on the grapevine that there was a question which referenced you by name. There is. Could, I didn't see it. Did you see it? Oh, I saw it, yeah. <laughs> you saw it. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where it is. Oh, why, why isn't Chris part of the worship band as he's so musical and talented? I think on there his, there's, there's one answer to this, and I will give it in two words. Quality control. <laughs> no, we, we love Chris, no. but one of the things that he's gifted in is not his... Musical ability. He's quite good on the triangle. He did once, and he's actually, this actually did happen. If those of you who've heard of Ben Cantillon from Worship Central, or writes a lot of the Worship Central stuff, Chris actually did get ben, ben Cantillon personally to agree that on his next album, Chris could play the triangle. Right, I don't know whether you have it in writing, but I think you should tweet him. No, it's more tweet him. verbal contract. Was it? Okay. 
Cool. But there you go. Thanks. Some things just awesome. can't be answered. Yes. Yeah. And if your question hasn't been answered and you would like an answer, please grab one of these guys or ask someone else and they will try to answer that for you. Send it us yeah, on social media or you something. Know, if you still want more information about the questions that have been asked, please come and see. You've seen these guys that are up here, but there's, there's other people, part of the leadership team, they're not up here. And they're more than happy to talk to you about these. So please, please do so. so. I always find it slightly hard to to just equate the fact that you're being serious. Me too. I'm a bit, yeah. a bit like... Oh, See, now it's quite serious. appropriate that we've had that question about forgiveness. <laughs> Do you forgive me? Yeah. We don't know everything, but we'll give it a good go. Excellent. Right. So, fantastic. Lib, if you want to maybe close in prayer, maybe, and then we'll... Yeah. Uh, Lord God, thank you for all of these questions that I've been asked uh, this morning. And I just pray that we've all learned something new today. And I just pray if we do have questions that we will feel free and open enough to talk to them, to someone else. Amen. Amen. We're going to close just with the worship song run. Um, Chris, do you want to join the band for this? Just for one and only? No. Why not? Hurt my feelings. I'm sorry. Too yeah. upset to play Bring the triangle. It in. Bring it in. Bring it in. It's all right, mate. They kicked me out this morning as well. It's all right. Anyway, um, we, we've got the prayer book, but we've gone on a bit trying to answer some of those questions, so we're, we're not going to go through that. But we do want to pray uh, for some people, so I'm going to quickly gonna pray. Roy's really been suffering uh, this week, uh, so we want to pray for Roy, but we're just going to just lift people up. So let's stand together just as we pray, and then we're going to close uh, with worship. There is a space for you, Chris, look, because Lauren's doing small stars. She's there. Lord God, we just want to thank you that you are the God of everything. We want to thank you uh, that you are Father and Creator, that you have control. Uh, Lord God, as we've tried to answer some of our questions this morning as a community, we've talked through um, things that sometimes confuse us or things that we don't fully understand. Lord God, one of those things was healing. God, we just ask you that everybody connected with our church at the moment that is in some kind of physical need, uh, some health need, that you uh, would come in to that situation, that your hand would be on that situation, your healing power would be demonstrated. Look, God, we particularly just, we, this morning we just ask that you bless Roy, Lord God, and as he is uh, suffering quite badly at the moment with things, Lord God, that you would just step in, Lord God, that he would have your peace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.